You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Blue Sky Missions. Whether you're an individual seeking to go on a missions trip or a church leader wanting to take your group, Blue Sky can make it happen. Learn more today at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome back. This is Theology for the Rest of Us, and I am Kenny Ortiz. So glad to be here, humbled and honored that you would spend any time listening to anything that I've got to say. So, welcome and thanks. Today, I want to uh, answer a question that is related to a question that we asked in the previous episode. And so if you have not listened to episode 3, I want to encourage you, go back to episode 3, listen to that one, and then come back and listen to this one if you haven't. Uh, episode 4, the question is simply this. Uh, which Bible translation is the best one to read? The previous episode, we answered the question, why are there so many uh, Bible translations. This one, we're going to answer the question, which one is the best one to read? And I said something in the previous episode that I want to say very clearly again. And it sounds sort of trite and sort of trivial, but I mean it sincerely. Which Bible is the best one to read? Whichever one you're going to read and obey. Um, with that already stated, I'm going to dive in and give you some nuances to some of the different Bible translations out there and which ones uh, I like over the others, and, and specifically why that is the case. There are a variety of different ways to translate the Bible, Okay, different philosophies, so to speak. Uh, some people take the word-for-word -word translation approach. The best example of the perfect word-for-word -word translation would be the New American Standard. Right? So New American Standard literally takes one Greek word, and then perfectly translates it over into exactly the English equivalent of that word or several English words in sequence to precisely translate exactly each Greek word from the New Testament or each Hebrew Aramaic word from the Old Testament into modern English, right? And it doesn't change any of the words. It takes very little liberty and, and leaves it in the exact same sequence, right? That is how the translators of the New American Standard and some of the other Bible translations out there that are focused on a word-for-word -word translation. And the New American is not the only one. There are others out there that is sort of the most uh, well-respected by scholars in that arena. When people ask, which is the most accurate Bible translation? I typically tell them the New American Standard is the one that is going to be the most accurate word-for-word. -word. And if you are doing an in-depth study, like a word study, um, or you want to know precisely how a word is used a variety of times in different parts of the Bible, then the New American Standard can be very helpful to you in that way. Now, there is a second way that is more popular, and that is the phrase-for-phrase -phrase manner to translate the Bible. Rather than translating precise each Greek word or each Hebrew word, the translators look at groupings of words. They look at phrases. They look at these three, four, or five, or six you know, words that are kind of grouped together. 
and they translate them as a group. And they're not precisely translating each individual word. In, so, in many phrases, there's at least one or two words that, that are the kind of the key words of that phrase. So those will typically be translated over, but it's not necessarily a guarantee per se. So they're taking phrase for phrase, for, you know, three, four, ten words at a time, and translating them over from the original language into contemporary English. And then they are putting them in sequence. And if the sequence in which they uh, were in the original language doesn't make complete sense in English, then they will take some liberty with the sequence of the words. They'll move them around and shuffle them around ever so slightly. It's not like they're changing it big time, right? Just slightly, just so that it makes more sense in, in the English language, right? And so that's the more popular way, the phrase for phrase way to translate uh, with an occasional emphasis on certain keywords. The, the most popular English version today that has that philosophy is the NIV, right? The, the new international version. Uh, that's the, the, the most popular translation that uses that philosophy, right? So you have the word for word, the most popular is New American of that genre. You have phrase for phrase, and there's a lot of different phrase for phrases out there, but the most popular one is the NIV. And then you have a, a concept for concept uh, translation. These are the types of Bibles like the Living Bible or the Contemporary English Version, the CEV, or the Good News Bible, or the New Century Version, the NCV. These are all different translations, not as popular, but they still have uh, their own kind of following. They are concept for concept. And what they do is rather than taking phrase for phrase, where they're taking, you know, three, ten words at a time and kind of clumping them in chunks and translating them, they're taking these phrases in typically larger clumps, so 10, 12, 15, 20 words at a time. They're trying to figure out what is the, what is the concept that is being taught in this chunk of words, and then they are translating that concept into English, or they, they're interpreting it into English. They're not actually translating, they're actually writing out the concept that they believe that that particular section or that particular phrase is trying to communicate. So it's not even really an attempt to actually translate. It's an attempt to take a chunk of words and to interpret them for you and give you the concept. Well, you can quickly see the problem with that is now you are having people not just translate and interpret one or two words and, and, and trying to figure out what word is best, but they're actually trying to figure out what is the concept for you and then spoon feeding that. And what you end up having is uh, an English translation that is very easy to understand, but you end up having an English translation that I think can dilute the meaning of the original Bible a little bit. And that, that makes me very nervous to endorse that type of translation, if I'm honest with you. Um, there is one exception of all the concept for concepts uh, Bibles out there. There is a Bible called the New Living Bible. You're probably familiar with it. It's very popular. Um, it is similar to other concept or concepts, but they do something a little bit unique that makes them a little closer to to the New American. They they take a, a chunk of words and they try to translate the concept. But they make sure they identify a few keywords in that particular section, and they make sure they translate those keywords as as word for word as possible. So uh, the new the new living translators basically they're going concept for concept, but they're picking out very key for, you know words that are extremely important to the text or clumps of words that are extremely important. 
translating them perfectly word for word in the exact sequence like the New American Standard Bible would do. So you have the concept for concept with elements of the word for word. And what you have in the New Living Translation is a Bible that is very easy to read and understand um, without as much of the interpretation or the biased coming through as you have with the other ones like the Living Bible or the CEV. Um, and the New Living, in a lot of passages of Scripture that are difficult to understand, really does a great job of being consistent with the original languages and being consistent with some of the words being translated in, in, a, in, a, uh, in an honest way, honest to the original languages. So I actually like the New Living in a lot of ways, if you, particularly if you're a younger believer, younger in age, I mean, and you have trouble understanding the English words. I, I actually recommend the NLT as being a quality Bible. I know that's going to get me in trouble with some people, uh, but I'm just, I, you know, I just, from my study, I think it's, I think it's decent. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people can understand it. It's not the Bible that I use. It's not the Bible I would recommend as you get older. I think you can kind of graduate, so to speak, from the NLT onto something better that I haven't yet mentioned. Um, but I, but I, I like the NLT as, as a starting point. Um, and even if you're an adult that maybe kind of really, if you really struggle with comprehension, or if you're someone that's new to English, maybe you're like your, maybe your first language is Spanish or some other language, and you want to read the Bible in English, the New Living can be very helpful uh, for those sorts of circumstances. Um, there's one Bible that I haven't specifically mentioned that I want to kind of leave for last because it is the Bible that I endorse. It is the Bible that I prefer, and so I want to kind of explain why. Um, it is the English Standard Version, the ESV. Uh, sometimes it's jokingly referred to as the Elect Standard Version. Uh, if you understand that joke, you're a nerd, and uh, you're welcome. If you don't understand that joke, that's fine. I'm not going to explain it. You're better off. Um, but the ESV Bible uh, was produced about 15 years ago by a group of people sponsored by Crossway Publishers. And um, the ESV is kind of the best of both worlds from the word-for-word word and the phrase-for-phrase, phrase, right? So we cover word-for-word, phrase-for-phrase, and concept-for-concept. I've already said I don't really like most of the concept-for-concepts. But we have uh, the word-for-word word Bibles and the phrase-for-phrase phrase Bibles, and we kind of see the pros and cons for each. Well, the ESV is kind of the best of both worlds. Let me explain why. Um, the, the New American Standard Bible, the translators, they pretty much stuck to one philosophy. They always did word for word, pretty much. The phrase for phrase people, uh, translators, they pretty much did always phrase for phrase, and they stuck to that um, consistently all the way through the Bible. Um, the ESV did something a little bit unique compared to other modern English translations, but it's not really unique in terms of English translations as a whole, because it's actually a similar philosophy that was put together more than 400 years ago with the original translators of the King James Bible, which was the standard Bible for you know almost three centuries in the English-speaking world. So the ESV takes the philosophy of saying, we're not going to just do word for word, or we're not going to just do phrase for phrase. We're going to do word for word in most of the cases, because that, that we want to be as honest to the original text, right? We don't want to put our words in there. We want to translate what God said. So as often as possible and as much as possible, we are translating word for word from the original languages into English. However, every now and then, we're going to come to a passage where it's just so difficult to understand in, if we do it word for word that we are going to take some liberty and we're going to translate those passages 
phrase for phrase. So what you end up having is a Bible that is 80 or 90 percent word for word, but 10 or 20 percent translated phrase for phrase, which is the same philosophy that the NIV used. Um, and what you end up having is a Bible translation that is very honest and accurate to the original text, but yet still very readable and very understandable in the modern English. Very few liberties are taken with keywords being changed. Very few liberties are taken with the sequence of words being changed, but they are changed on occasion when it makes the most sense to be able to explain the, the concept that the original translator was trying to convey. This is the philosophy that the King James writers originally used, um, but if we compare the King James to modern English, it just uses a lot of words and a lot of lingo that is extremely difficult to understand because a lot of words are antiquated, no longer in use, and therefore it doesn't make sense in modern English. That The philosophy was appropriate and right and awesome, but that philosophy needed to be used with modern English words. And that's what we have the English Standard Version today. And so I, I think it's the best English translation. It's certainly not perfect. There's no perfect English translation. But in my opinion, it happens to be the one that I typically recommend to people to use. Um, but again, I don't have a big problem with some of the other ones that are out there. Um, quickly want to mention some paraphrases that are out there. Uh, the most popular one is the Message Bible. Another one that is relatively popular is a British uh, paraphrase called the Phillips Bible. I actually kind of like the Phillips Bible. It's poetic in some ways. Um, these are not Bible translations. Okay, They are one person, one man reading the Bible partially in its original languages and partially in other contemporary English versions and paraphrasing what the Bible says. Basically rewriting it. Okay, I don't have a problem with someone reading the Message Bible, but I want to make it very clear. The Message Bible is not a Bible. It's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. Let's say I was getting up and I preached a sermon. I read from the ESV and then I paraphrased it in my sermon. Okay, you wouldn't take my paraphrase and say, that's the Bible. No, you would say, Kenny paraphrased the Bible. Kenny tried to elaborate and explain it in his own words. That is okay to do as long as you understand what it is. Right? So the Message Bible is a paraphrase by a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. He's a great guy. He's brilliant. There's a, he's done a lot of good things. I'm not saying he's bad or wrong. I don't agree with him on every element of theology. In fact, there are some definitely areas where Eugene Peterson and I would disagree vehemently. However, the Message Bible is his poetic paraphrase, and it can be valuable if you, know, if you just want to kind of get a, a different perspective. You just want to get a, a different view on something you're studying. It just kind of helps shed some light on the passage. It helps you understand it a little bit better. So they're not bad. They're not wrong. They just shouldn't be the main Bible you read. Um, if you, by chance, happen to be someone that likes the Message Bible, I would actually recommend maybe you check out the Phillips Bible. It's a British paraphrase that I actually happen to like a little bit better than, than that. So there you have it. Those are all the different English translations that are out there uh, using different philosophies. I endorse and promote the ESV. But again, there's a bunch of different ones you can check out, and ultimately, it's less important which one you read, and more important that you read it, obey it, and live by it. I apologize this episode went a little bit longer than most of our episodes. I typically don't want to go this long, but I just wanted to make sure that we covered this topic, because it's, it's a frequently asked question, and I wanted to make sure that we 
answered it thoroughly. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I am so grateful for you. If you'd like to connect with me, the best way to do so is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. That's spelled K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z, at Kenneth Ortiz. Or go to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. That will forward you on to the page with all of our contact info. Also, don't forget to subscribe. It's the only way to guarantee that you don't miss a single episode of the podcast. You can find us both on iTunes and on Stitcher. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this is Theology for the Rest of Us.